Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The Ledger Report is brought to you by MyPillow.com. Please go to MyPillow.com and enter Ledger in the promo code box for up to 66% off. That's MyPillow.com and enter L-E-D-G-E-R in the promo code box. The Ledger Report is also brought to you by Relief Factor. Go to relieffactor.com forward slash ledger for a natural homeopathic way to relieve nagging chronic pain. Or call 833-425-7246. 833-425-7246 for Relief Factor Pain Relief. Thank you for supporting my pillow, Relief Factor, and The Ledger Report. All right, Mr. News, hit it! Next on the Ledger Report, a crucial segment about California and how to prevent your state from being Californiaized. Stand by. The doors of the newsroom are locked and the PC police are not getting in, so sit back and relax as we unfold this edition of the Ledger Report. There was a time, a time before cable, when the local anchorman reigned supreme. And in San Diego, one anchorman was more man than the rest. His name was Graham Ledger. Well, you can see that the number up here is $69.99, which is what I thought I was going... Obviously, I realized there'd be some tax. In Dublin, as of today, that would be the new county rate of 10.25%. I was surprised by the amount of that tax. And it would have been higher if he had done his shopping at the same store in Union City. $2.15 for a $20 mouse. Pretty ridiculous. Union City is among the six Alameda cities with a sales tax of 10.75%. That means they all share the distinction of having the highest sales tax in California for the moment. So, so that's what we're challenging is that the county is intentionally trying to get around uh, these part called Proposition 218 that requires a two-thirds voter approval. The Alameda County Taxpayers Association is challenging the sales tax hikes on multiple grounds, so the additional taxes now getting collected cannot be spent. Uh, the state is requiring all of that money to go into uh, escrow accounts, and it's going to be held in there. Uh, the county can't spend the money, uh, and it's going to be held there until all the lawsuits are completed. But you will be paying it at the register. Lon Liu in the city of Alameda says small business owners are worried about it driving away traffic. And as for customers, she says many of them did not see it coming. Most customers, they say, oh, really? So seems they did not get the notice. They did not know, knew about it. All right, as for the legal grounds of these challenges, as you heard, one was is, is that the, the county went around the two-thirds requirement. One of those ballot measures passed by 
barely just over 50%. And the other is that Alameda, the county itself, has a special exemption that gets it out of a state law that caps sales taxes at just over 9%. So there's a couple facets of the legal challenge there. And the money being an escrow might remind a lot of people of Prop C over in San Francisco. There are a lot of similarities between the, uh, the two discussions there. And as we all remember, Prop C was ultimately validated, but the fight goes on here in Alameda County. Stop the tape. Stop the tape. So here's the mainstream media uh, talking about the highest sales tax rate, not only in the state. You know, this guy is reporting out of San Francisco. He's reporting it as the highest in the state. It's the highest in the country. 10.75%. Think about that. Practically 11% every time you go to Costco. Every time... You go to Home Depot every time you go to the grocery store, every time you purchase a new shirt or a new pair of pants, 11% effectively, 11% is going to the county and the state. By the way, this sales tax, it, it is different in all 58 counties in California, but Alameda County just happens to be the worst. But Alameda County is a crucial and large county in the San Francisco Bay Area. And so many, many people live in Alameda County. Oakland is in Alameda County, for example. Remember the old stadium is the Oakland-Alameda County Coliseum, where the Raiders and the uh, Oakland A's used to play. I don't even know what they call it now. It's in a terrible neighborhood. Close, most of Oakland is a terrible neighborhood. It's one giant terrible neighborhood. Sad to say, uh, but it's the truth. But here we have the highest sales tax in the land. And the media is just reporting, oh, you know, yeah, there's, a, there's an effort to fight it. Meantime, the, the guy with the mask, isn't that precious? Oh, you're, you're, I, I look at it and I, I pay it. Only in California, only in Northern California, frankly. Southern California, not so much, but there are still wackos there. But mainly the concentration of wackos is in Northern California. It's like a prison camp. If you go there now, it's like walking around a prison camp. You're being told what you cannot do the entire time you're in Northern California, in particular in San Francisco. Don't do this. Don't do that. You're not allowed. This is illegal, blah, blah, blah. Meantime, the homeless are pooping on the streets, literally pooping on the streets. Up is down and down is up in California. And as Northern California goes, Southern California goes. That's effectively the way the state goes. And the state is going into the toilet. 11% sales tax is an incredible number. And that number is never going to go down, ladies and gentlemen. That money's being held in escrow? Are you kidding me? Then what? Let's say in our wildest dreams they come true. That these lawsuits actually win in court. And they don't get before radical judges who say, yeah, Gavin Newsom and the radical legislature can do whatever they want and the county can do whatever they want to take away and harm the liberty of hardworking Californians. Yeah, sorry, uh, but it's, it's unlikely it's going to happen. But let's say it does happen. Let's stipulate it's going to happen. And so this money's being held in escrow. These millions and millions and tens of millions of dollars. I don't know how much is going to be in escrow by the time this thing is meted out in court. But then what? What are they going to do? How are they going to get that money back to the people who just bought a flat screen at Costco or the lady who bought that mouse? at uh, wherever she bought it, Best Buy. 
How are they going to get that money back, huh? This is California. The politicians, the radical politicians who are running this state know they can get away with political murder because people either are not paying attention or actually applaud what's going on. Either people are not paying attention and they're not educated about their constitutional rights, not only under the federal constitution, but under the California constitution. Or they support these people. There's a certain mentality in California that doesn't exist in other states, except possibly New York, where there's a guilt factor. Why am I living in such a wonderful state? It's okay. I'll just pay more taxes and not feel so guilty about it. That's effectively what California is. Made up of a bunch of liberals who have liberal guilt. And it's fast becoming a state with haves and have-nots. That's where California really is at this point. But it, it's becoming even more and more polarized. And we're going to talk about that on this program with Richard Ryder, who has been a constitutional fly in the ointment of these radical Marxists for decades in California. And his mission is to expose, go behind the curtain and expose these radical Marxists and what they're doing to the once golden state. And by the way, this has only happened recently in California. The phenomenon of Marxist California is only recent. It's about a generation. Believe it or not, 35, 40 years ago, California elected Republican presidents. Oh, yeah. Richard Nixon. Richard Nixon, people forget, came from California, San Clemente. And, of course, Ronald Reagan. But even as recently as the late 1980s, George Bush. California went for George Bush. And then the tide started to change. And we'll get into that with Richard Breider of exactly how this happened and how it is crucial that the 49 other states, but in particular the red states, and maybe these purple states, like, I don't know, do we consider Arizona a purple state now? I hope not. I hope it's still a red state. But my gut is, given what's going on, in, especially in the Phoenix area and this hemorrhaging of illegal immigrants into Arizona. Remember, California is pretty well sealed off. Now, it doesn't mean that illegals don't call California their mecca. They do. But the flow effectively is through Arizona, mostly. Parts of California are not secure, but large chunks, the metropolitan chunks of California, are secure by a double-layer wall that has brought illegal immigration to an effective stop. In particular, you look at south of San Diego, a double layer fencing. It was redone. It was originally done by Bill Clinton in the mid-1990s under Operation Gatekeeper. Believe it or not, Bill Clinton and his administration sealed off the southern border there. And then the Trump administration doubled down and redid the fencing. But it's a beautiful, if you ever go down to the border along San Diego and Tijuana, it is a beautiful double layer fence that extends from the ocean, Pacific Ocean, from the west all the way about 20 miles past the TJ airport. And then it stops, but the terrain becomes pretty rugged uh, at that point. You have a lot of mountains that kind of exist between San Diego County um, or part of San Diego County, but effectively San Diego to the desert, which they consider Imperial County. And so a lot of people, a lot of illegals are crossing Imperial County, so, yeah, they migrate to Los Angeles, land of free stuff, right? 
Or they, they head to uh, Phoenix, and a lot of illegals are crossing uh, in Phoenix and Tucson area, but they, of course, want to end up uh, in Phoenix. And so the reason why I'm talking about illegal immigration and legal immigration, for that matter, and California is because this is part of the problem. And we'll get into this with Richard Ryder. I want to remind you this program is brought to you by MyPillow. You have to put Ledger in the promo code box, okay? L-E-D-G-E-R. Ledger in the promo code box, and you get up to 66% off my pillow. Please support my Lin- Mike Lindell. Mike Lindell supports Donald Trump. Donald Trump supports Graham Ledger, and Graham Ledger supports you. So we all need to stick together. Ledger in the promo code box. You get two for one Giza sheets right now. Wonderful Egyptian cotton. I believe they're Egyptian cotton. Don't quote me on that, but I'm fairly certain they're, they're very soft cotton. Let's put it that way. Okay, I'm a guy. I don't. I don't know, uh, but I know they're great sheets. Two for one, and they won't charge you any shipping right now. That's um, my pillow. I also want to remind you, Relief Factor, eight three three four two five seven two four six eight three three four two five seven two four six. That's relieffactor.com forward slash ledger. You can either use the phone number, toll free, as they used to say. There are no tolls anymore, right? Except on freeways. Um, 833-425-7246. That's the phone number. Or go to Relief Factor forward slash ledger for a three-week quick start at only $19.95. That's about a dollar a day. I just took um, these homeopathic uh, remedies for pain relief, and they work. And I wouldn't promote anything that doesn't work. If you go to GrahamLedger.com, both of these wonderful sponsors are on my website, GrahamLedger.com, where you can also uh, answer the question, um, that's on GrahamLedger.com right now, and, and it's a rather poignant one for what we're talking about today, um, and uh, we'll be talking about uh, in the future, and that is, will the results of the Arizona election audit lead to any changes in the 2020 presidential uh, election results? This is the question, um, really, of the moment, that if, if you're a constitutional American, you're sitting on pins and needles right now, waiting for the audit results out of Arizona. And I don't want to blow them out of proportion. I don't want to get people's hopes up. But it could be a game changer, ladies and gentlemen. Because if the evidence is there, and in my heart I believe the evidence is there, of election malfeasance in Arizona, and if the Republican leadership in that state does its constitutional duty and says we need to have a full-blown check and recheck of the election results and if they can't if they can't verify for example if they can't verify a ballot was cast by person a because they don't have a paper backup because it's been destroyed then you have a real problem if you have evidence of election malfeasance which i believe there is in arizona so what do you do well it's a hell of a dilemma it's a hell of a dilemma um what could happen if you care about not Donald Trump, but if you care about the integrity of our franchise in this country, what could happen is they could decertify the electoral votes and say, hey, we need to have a revote. A revote, one person, one vote, no machines. How about that? Hmm? How about that? And remember, it's not just Arizona. Pennsylvania is eyeballing the same thing. And I hope. The Republican leadership in Georgia grows a spine. I thought they had spines in Georgia, but now I'm not so sure. And they consider the same thing. 
and potentially in Wisconsin. I don't think it's going to happen in Michigan, but you never know. Got a nutcase governor there. All right. Speaking of nutcase, the governor of California, believe it or not, who's facing a recall election now on September 14th, in case you didn't know, that is the day. September 14th is the day of the recall election, if you want to call it that, because it's not going to function like a typical um, recall election. It's going to function like a typical Marxist attempt to steal an election once again, like what happened in 2020 in, in various states, including California. And by that, I mean they've already decided they're going to mail ballots to everyone. So all living voters get ballots and all dead voters in California get ballots. And this is no joke. Election integrity, the last audit they did in Los Angeles County alone, I believe there was more than a million more registered voters than there are eligible voters. And throughout the entire state, it's almost 2 million. So when they do the mail ballots for this recall election, where are those extra ballots going? And who's going to get them? And what's going to happen to those extra ballots? And where is the Secretary of State, appointed by the governor, by the way, this Secretary of State for California, this Shirley Weber nutcase, was appointed by the governor just in time for the recall election. And by the way, they picked the date September 14th. It was absolute earliest date they could pick. And it was up to Shirley Weber, the Secretary of State, to pick September 14th. And she picked the absolute earliest date. This election, this recall election, could have been held as late as almost November in California. Instead, they did the earliest. Why? Why would they choose the earliest date in September? That's only two months away. Why would they do that? Well, for a whole host of reasons, but all of them benefit Gavin Newsom. All of the reasons benefit Gavin Newsom. And I'm going to warn you a couple things here. And I don't, I don't want to be a, sound like a Debbie Downer or a negative Nelly. But in my opinion, and I've studied this for many, many months, every day, frankly, and, and many, many years studying California in general and studying just people and, and who they are and what they are. And during the fiasco of the government shutdown of, because of the, ostensibly because of the Wuhan coronavirus revealed a lot of things about people who live in California and the ones running around with a mask still. I believe Gavin Newsom is going to survive big big league, this recall election. I think he's going to get somewhere in the neighborhood 55, close to 60%. Yes, keep him in office, which negates the second question. This is a binary question that goes out to all voters plus the 1.8 million that don't exist in California. It's a binary question. Number one, do you want to recall the current governor, Gavin Newsom, just like voters did in 2003 with Gray Davis, do you want to recall the governor, yes or no? I think that he survives question one. And question two is, is meaningless at that point. And question two is, who do you want to vote for? And people ask me all the time, who do you support for governor? And I, I say, I don't really have a, a dog in this hunt, a horse in this race. Uh, it's disappointing. But the bottom line is, you know, like Larry Elder threw his hat in the ring. I think he's official. I'm not sure whether he's official or unofficial. 
Here's a conservative guy, but he suffers from a couple of problems in California. Number one, outside of conservative circles, most people don't know who Larry Elder is. And number two, he's a conservative. Can a conservative get elected in California? It, it's not possible. You look at Devin Nunes, okay, he, he squeaks by in his district. There might be a couple. Kevin McCarthy's not a conservative. Devin Nunes, even he, he's waffled a bunch of times, disappointingly to me. I don't think a true blue conservative could come close to getting elected in California. So Larry Elder or any conservative has two problems. And that's why people like John Cox and Kevin Faulkner, former mayor of San Diego, have a chance. The, people ask me, you know, who, who would I support for governor? And I say, hey, the guy who thinks he's a girl is running the best messaging. Yeah, Bruce Jenner, the guy who used to be on the Wheaties box when I was a kid. Who we looked up to as a stud, male, is producing some great ads. He calls himself Caitlyn now. Okay, you can call yourself Jello, but that doesn't mean you're not a boy. You're still a boy, Caitlyn Bruce. <laughs> but, you know, this is superfluous, right? Who cares? The bottom line is, he is running the best messaging, and he's trying to appeal to Californians' common sense, but you know what? He, Jenner, and the rest of the conservatives are outnumbered in California. They are the... People in California are the proverbial frogs in the proverbial pot, and the water is being turned up slowly. So you saw... In Alameda County, they now have an effective 11% sales tax that just keeps going up, click, keeps going up, click. The temperature keeps going up, click. The problem is, it's not just a sales tax. California has the highest marginal income tax brackets, not only in the country, but I believe they're second highest in the world. So I think the Netherlands is only uh, higher than California. And it's not just a bracket in California. It's multiple brackets. And then you have a cap and trade tax. And you have, of course, the gasoline tax. Now, isn't it interesting? You have the government shutdown, ostensibly because of the pandemic, but we know it was because they wanted to harm the economy in order to harm the re-election chances of Donald Trump. It's that simple. And by the way, people say to me, well, then why did Britain shut down? Why did Italy? Italy had problems. Why did China do this? And why did uh, these other countries, South America, why did they? All of these governments had an interest in this. And, and by that, I mean the United States, the interest was to defeat Donald Trump, to crash the economy, and make him look like it was his fault indirectly for the Wuhan coronavirus and harm his re-election chances. In Britain, you pick it. What is the political reason behind their shutdown? I don't live there. I don't know. Look at Canada. Canada is a disaster. And Canadians probably lost more of their rights. Canada is a socialist society. And it probably became another level higher of socialism uh, in Canada. Mexico probably... The same thing. Each of these countries had their own nefarious reason for the crackdowns and the shutdown. 
In the end, they didn't care about gross domestic product of their country. They didn't care about the lives of the people that they were harming in real time, financially, philosophically, religiously. All they cared about these countries who did these shutdowns was control. Lockdowns do not work. We knew that going into this so-called pandemic. And by the way, as far as pandemics go, this is the weakest pandemic, so-called, in the history of the world. Now, I don't have the latest numbers, but if you want to see a real pandemic, look at the Black Plague. Or even more recently, look at the, the Hong Kong flu. I believe it was in the late 1960s, 1968, 69 into 70. Killed way more people. So why? I look at people and I say, why? We have a 98.5 survival rate of the Wuhan coronavirus. Why? Why the shutdown? Well, the answer is obvious. And why in other countries? Largely because the United States led the way and these political leaders said, hey, let's do the same and we can get X out of it. That's what happened. And so in the middle of the government shutdown of the California economy, last year, the gas tax went up in July. Now, that's rather counterintuitive to most Americans, at least it should be, but not in California. Raise the taxes. And so here you have the California economy trying to emerge from its lockdown shutdown, where businesses have signs up in the front window saying, hey, we don't have enough staff because people are being paid to stay home. The gas tax goes up again. Oh, it may be only a quarter of a percent, maybe half a cent, something like that. But it is the frog, you see. California motorists are the proverbial frog in the water, and the water keeps heating up. Roll tape! How does it feel to be paying more in gas? Bullshit. That's freaking ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous. How much more do we need to pay for gas? Talk about pain at the pump. There wasn't a single driver we talked to that was happy about gas prices. Some were downright mad. We got tricked. Case closed. And it's going to get worse, too. Trust me. It's not going to get better. It's going to get worse before it gets better. So here's the backstory. SB 1 or Senate Bill 1 was signed into California law back in 2017. It's designed to raise the fuel excise tax every year to help pay for road and bridge repairs. In 2018, Proposition 6 was on the ballot to get rid of the gas tax with a yes vote. Or voters could keep the gas tax with a no vote. And the no's won, so we'll keep having the gas tax increase every year. Richard Matz, like so many other drivers we talked to, isn't happy about it. The politicians, they just keep on gouging us for more and more. It doesn't make any difference whether the Republicans or Democrats. They want our money, and the thing is we're not getting value for what we're paying for. One driver says when heading to the ballot box, make sure you read the fine print. That's where it is. It's the devil's in the details on those things. Joining me now is the chairman of the San Diego Tax Fighters Association, Richard Ryder. Richard, 10.75% uh, effective sales tax, effectively 11% in Alameda County. Um, and, you know, the, the people wonder uh, why people won't shop in Alameda County, of course, because it's, there are other counties uh, right by. And, and why won't they shop in California? Why are people leaving, in Cali leaving California in droves right now? All these things kind of factor and, and, and play together. But the bottom line is, when you look at taxes and the, the entire array of taxes in California, 
Californians are taxed more than anybody probably in the world. Do you agree? Uh, it's probably there's a couple other countries that are that are higher taxes. Uh, the European socialist states, uh, the ones that we ascribe to uh, emulate. The the problem there is that uh, their their tax is at least honest. A twenty three percent de facto sales tax, a income tax that kicks in at forty percent at like twenty thousand dollars of income, uh, it, and this is what our progressives here in California and the nation uh, think is the ideal system. Uh, the only low tax we have in California is wine. So <laughs> I guess that's what you should be consuming more of because everything else costs you an arm and a leg compared to the rest of the, uh, the nation. One of the things I think that's particularly important, what's carried us in California has been in terms of the, the uh, government funding and why they have a surplus is one thing only, and that's the capital gains tax. We have a very high capital gains taxes. We in California treat capital gains the same as ordinary income, and our top ordinary income tax bracket is 13.3%. Now, you stack that on top of the federal capital gains tax before the Biden increase, the old tax, which is much lower, and combined our, our state tax combined with the federal tax is higher than any place in the world except Denmark, hmm. and we will probably pass them this year. Uh, and this is a real problem because we're putting more and more pressure on the really wealthy, the people who are paying most of the taxes to get out, because that is a huge tax, which they can avoid by establishing their residence in another state, which is a low tax or no tax state. And we're going to see more of that. I'm afraid that's that's the case. And the other problem with the capital gains tax is it completely unreliable. This year, you got money pouring in, you start spending like crazy the pay increase and so forth, what I call ratchet spending. And next thing you know, the market goes down. It will go down. We just don't know how much or when, but market does that. Market goes up, market goes down. Capital gains disappear. Yep. And the politicians will look at each other and say, gosh, what are we doing? The only thing they'll be able to think of, yes, is raise taxes. That's what yeah. they do. And and they raise taxes on everyone. Uh, and Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and again, looking, you know, one of the things about the economics is when you raise taxes on the wealthy, you're also raising taxes on the not so wealthy. And, and this is why California is becoming the land of haves and have nots. And one of the things that has sustained Californians even be able to purchase a home. But by the way, I just saw a list from WalletHub, uh, first time home buyers, the top cities to buy a home easiest for her, uh, first time home buyers. They're nowhere near California, but the bottom 10 or, or nine out of the 10 are, are in California, including Oakland and Burbank and, and places like that. But the one thing that's kept prices relatively affordable for home buyers in California is Prop 13. Doesn't always because once you sell your house, then you get uh, reassessed. But Prop 13 at least allows you to stay in your home at that close to that uh, taxed rate. Now, it should be mentioned that Prop 13, the politicians have their beady eyes on Prop 13. They almost took out in the last election. They put it up for a vote and they almost took out the corporate side of Prop 13, which means that they're going to do it again. But Prop 13 is is not a problem in California. It should be celebrated, right? Correct. And one of the, if you talk to liberals, I've, I've been doing this for over 30 years in debates and so forth, which by the way, nobody holds debates anymore. Interesting change in America. Yeah. But the situation is that they claim that Prop 13 robbed government of money that it, that it needed. But the truth is, if you look at the revenue that's come in from Prop, since Prop 13, and you adjust that revenue for both the population growth 
and the cost of living. Today, the state of California and the local school districts are getting more money than they did before Prop 13 passed. Remember, everything was supposedly perfect back before Prop 13 passed. There's two big myths about Prop 13. One is that we pay very low property taxes. No, we have a relatively low property tax rate. But in California, because of our inflated home prices, you'll find that we pay on average, compared to the other 49 states, the average homeowner, you don't write a check for a property tax rate, you write a check for a property tax bill. And if you look at those bills compared to the other states, the median California property tax is 66% higher than the average in the other 49 states. So even though we think of our Prop 13, well, gosh, we don't pay much in the way of property taxes. Not true. The other myth with, with Prop 13 is it doesn't help the new home buyer. That's because people don't have historical pr- perspective. In 1978, when Prop 13 was passed, the assessed rate of a property was 2.67%. Prop 13 reduced that to 1%. Now imagine what if your if your property, if let's say we repeal Prop 13, we go back to a 2.67% rate. If you were paying $10,000 before on a new house, you would now be paying $27,000. So this is a huge difference and makes many, many homes unaffordable because the initial property tax that people pay, the new home buyer, would be far higher, generally about $700 more a month. $700 more a month for a new property tax buyer in California. So it's not just the old geezers who are benefiting from Prop 13. Everyone, old and new, when they buy a property, and it's limited by that 1%, that is a huge savings compared to what it would be because of our sky-high property values. And you have to look, you mentioned cost of living. You, you look at all these taxes, the property tax if you're a homeowner, even if you're not a homeowner, all these other taxes. It's a cap and trade tax in California, which is doing nothing to mitigate so-called global warming. All it is is another tax. But there are taxes upon taxes, layers of taxes in California. And so it just jacks up the cost of living in California. Throw in the fact that electricity, for example, you studied this as well electricity is significantly higher uh, in California and you pay more for water. And of course there is, uh, you know, this, this yearly is an annual drought now effectively uh, in California. And so this is one of the reasons why there is a mass exodus and it's not a phantom exodus. It's actually been going on for a couple of decades now uh, out of California. And right. it, um, it dates back to uh, 1992, but it wasn't very much. Right. By, by Exodus, I mean people moving between states. That's the that's the real benchmark. How many people come to to California from other states versus leave and go to other states? And it's reversed from what we we do. The old folks like myself knew where we all came to California because it's a great place. Right. It changed in '92, but now it's really accelerating. I expect in this coming year you'll see at least a quarter million net people leaving California, and it will not be the welfare kings and queens who are leaving. Right. These are, productive. For the these, these are productive patriots that are leaving to go to uh, largely red states. I mean, some are probably um, some are going to possibly some blue states, but by and large, they're going to red states for freedom. They're younger uh, uh, folks. The demographic is younger and they're not always leaving for economic reasons as they did in the past in the 90s and, and maybe 10 years ago. Many of them are leaving because they just simply cannot stand the politics anymore, along with the economics. We've always had the economic incentives to leave. And you're quite right. I've watched this for many years. I monitor it every year. 
And what we have seen is in the past, it was driven by economics. You couldn't buy a house in California, at least it was very expensive to buy a house. Everything was expensive. The cost of living in California, you can take the national averages about and use one as the national average. We're 1.41. We're 41% higher cost of living than the rest of the nation. And that's quite a significant figure. People are just stunned at how much, how far their dollars go when they move. Many, many times, the younger people, when they leave, they don't get paid as much. But it's not what you how much you get paid. It's what you can buy and what you can keep. And that is a huge difference. That's why Texas, for instance, uh, you'll, you'll get maybe 10% less pay, maybe 15% less pay. But your money will buy 25 to 30% more. And that is a huge difference. And it doesn't have to take a, an economist to figure this out. People are getting the hang of this. The outflow of, of U-Hauls from California is one way. They're trying to get out of the state, uh, heading for not just Texas, of course, many other states that they go to. But more recently, it has also been added to by the ideological uh, tendency of people who favor freedom, who favor uh, a true democracy without rigged elections, to leave California and go seek a place where they're just more comfortable. And this is something we're going to see more and more of which means this state, blue as it is, I'm afraid it's going to turn more blue. Right. And so then we have to look at the problem. What, what created this mess? And there's, there's a lot of things, and we could spend hours answering that question, but if you had to distill it down, the one area that I would focus on, when you look at the voter registration, there's a universe of, say, 20 million registered voters in California. 10 million of those are registered Democrats. 5 million, more or less, are registered Republicans, 5 million no party preference, which gives effectively, if you split the no party preference down 50-50, which is not, it actually leans more Democrat. But even if, if you did that, it's a two to one voter advantage. It's systemic. And then you look at the educational system, the so-called free education, free college um, in, in California that taxpayers are paying for, but it begins in kindergarten. So they're churning out a systemic next generation of Marxists in this state. But if you had to look at some turning points uh, in California as a blueprint for other states, and I think Texas is maybe what we're talking about here, it is, in my opinion, Richard, more than anything else, immigration. Both legal and illegal immigration is what turned the tide in California. And we know historically that immigrants, both legal and illegal, and yeah, illegals vote in California, unfortunately, uh, vote Democrat by large margins. And that is part of the problem. It's something that locals in other states need to keep a close eye on. Well, it, well there's no question that we have illegals voting here. Well, of course, they vote everywhere. But it's it, we have a very lax system. It, it, it's far more difficult to get a fishing license in California than it is to vote. You have to bring your voter ID if you're going to get a fishing license. But no, not to vote. So this is just a not, and this is a, a nationwide trend to try to make it so that anyone can vote uh, perhaps more than once, whether they're legal or illegal. But the broader problem in California, as I see it, is the core population, the people that you think of who are not the illegal population, they still lean Democrat. And I think you touched on it with the schools. Our schools are indoctrination centers, and it's just astonishing how little people know about socialism. They don't study the consequences of socialism, the tremendous damage, the millions and millions of people that the socialism killed and are still killing. And so as a result, naturally, they think socialism is great, something for nothing. I mean, I, frankly, I'd like something for nothing as well, but I know it doesn't work. They don't know that. They think it does work. And that's a core problem because they will buy into 
turning the state more and more into a, uh, a socialist state. And this is supposed to be the, uh, the guiding light for the other 49 states. Let's hope not. Well, and, and, and I tell people it's very important to take back the nomenclature, especially in California. And you use the word socialist. I would use the word Marxist, because if you look at what happened during the government response to the Wuhan coronavirus, that's what Marxists do to people, force them to do things that they wouldn't do, take away their liberty. That's exactly what happened in the last 18 months uh, in California. Richard, I'm out of time. Uh, If folks want more information, they want to follow you. You have a a wonderful blog that you update with regularity about what's going on in California as a way in the 49 other states to not only know what's going on in California, but to prevent it uh, in their states. So how do they, uh, how do folks find your blog? The simplest one to use is writer rants. That's R I D E R writer rants, one word dot blog spot, all one word dot com. Also I'm on Facebook and there's even more stuff I put up on, uh, on Facebook. So you can always friend me on Facebook. I still have, I got about 40 friends open right now. So uh, there's some spaces. All right, Richard, we'll keep up the great work and uh, keep us informed as uh, California slowly, um, as I say, the proverbial frogs in the pot and people don't even know they're the proverbial frogs in the pot. The water is being turned up slowly, slowly, little by little. And so keep it up. You're doing great work. Keep us informed on your end. Okay. Very good. Thank you. All right, so a couple of things to remember now, how to prevent your state from becoming a California or becoming Californiaized. Number one, you know, in a sense, what's happening with this critical race and these parents standing up the school boards is crucial because what is happening in California is becoming systemic. It is systemic and it's generational and it's being repeated now generation after generation in the classroom starting in kindergarten. And so they're churning out the next generations of Marxists in the classroom and it goes all the way through secondary education now in california at taxpayer expense so they have a system in place in california that you must prevent from happening in texas or florida or arkansas or mississippi any of these other red states it's crucial that you get involved locally that's number one and number two is immigration i'm talking both legal and illegal immigration You've got to stand up to these Marxists, especially if you live in Texas. You've got to support Governor Abbott in his effort to secure the southern border because we know that Joe Biden will not. And the same thing in Arizona. You've got to support efforts to secure the southern border. Otherwise, your state's going to be overrun. And we know historically how they vote. If they become citizens, these illegals and the legals that are coming into our system... They're being cherry-picked by the federal government. You've got to resist. And this is nonsense when people come to you and say, oh, we're a nation of immigrants. No, we're not. We are not a nation of immigrants. We are a nation of Americans. And if people come to this country and they bring their culture and don't adhere to our culture, then they should not be welcome here. And we have every right to say no to both legal and illegal immigration to our country. This edition of The Ledger Report is on its way. The Archives Library of Congress, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. I'm Graham Ledger. And remember, even when I'm wrong, I'm right. <laughs>